All right. Yes, yes. Y'all, I am so, so grateful that out of everything, I mean, the plethora of things that you could be engaged in, you could be watching Hulu, Netflix, or something else on YouTube, you are intentional with constantly showing up for therapy. Come on. Come on in the room. And while you are coming in the room, tag somebody. Like, listen, it is time. Come get this Therapy Thursday session. And you know how I do each and every week. And I love y'all. Y'all are actually doing it. <laughs> like, I'm looking at my phone. I need you to, like, tag somebody. I see you being intentional with therapy. All up and down the timeline. All up and down the chat. Tag somebody. At Jessica, I see you. Adam, I see you. You are being intentional. I see you. I see you. And I tried to do that because you don't know how close somebody is to giving up. You don't know how exhausted somebody is from whatever they're going through, through uh, throughout the day, throughout their life. And sometimes just a word of encouragement is what somebody needs to help them have the strength to fight another Day. Of course, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but your words, your encouragement can empower somebody to keep on pushing, keep on healing, keep on becoming. So yes, tag somebody up and up and down the timeline. I'm proud of you. I see you showing up for therapy. And when I say that, people tag me sometimes. I'm proud of you, Pastor. Thank you. I'm I am just honored to serve for the glory of of God. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I am proud of you. And I have to like give flowers and tip my hat to my brother Isaac Curry. He did an absolutely amazing and phenomenal job on Sunday as he was filling in for us as we're continuing this Exit Strategies series. I thank God for his life and every single time he comes together and joins us with Therapy Thursday. It's been absolutely amazing. So I really want to get to work. I want to get to work because I believe this session that we're going to have on tonight has the potential and the potency to activate somebody's faith. I believe this, this particular session will be the genesis of somebody's mental health. I believe it will be an activator for somebody's healing process and I, I want to get straight to it because there's a lot I want to share with you and a little time that I have to do so. So I'm gonna just go ahead and give you the title. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the title. Y'all ready for this? I want to talk around this thought from this subject for this particular time that we are sharing together on Therapy Thursday. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> What's the worst that could happen. For many of us watching this session on tonight, one of the worst places that you could live is in your head. <laughs> in your head. Your thoughts meditate on the worst case scenario. Your thoughts dwell and ponder on the worst possible outcome. I constantly think the worst. What's the worst that could happen? Because that is where my mind traffics. That is where my mind traffics. It traffics in the worst case scenario. Like the worst that could happen, I'm prepared for it. I'm dwelling on it. I'm pondering on it. I'm thinking about it. What's the worst that could happen? For many of us, the worst place that you could ever live is in your head. And it is the lack of biblical thoughts. Please hear me. It is the lack of a biblical perspective. It is the lack of a biblical viewpoint that invites the lack of mental peace. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I just said? The lack of a biblical perspective, the lack of biblical thoughts is actually the invitation that invites the lack of peace. So I have a twofold question for you. Twofold question. First one is, what would you do? What would you do or what gift would you give birth to if there was no such thing as a worst case scenario? <laughs> Say la. Let that just germinate right there. What would you do? Like what 
What book would you have published? What act of obedience would not be delayed? Y'all don't want to talk to me. What, who could you have forgiven? What therapy session could you have booked? What ministry idea, what, what podcast, what, what entre, entrepreneurial pursuit would you have given birth to if there was no such thing as a worst case, worst case scenario? Or second question, how long will you allow a mental worst case scenario to cause you to keep your blessing stuck in transit. Talk Holy Spirit. Like how long, how many more mental scenarios, worst case mental scenarios will you allow to keep the blessing stuck in transit? Like, have you ever purchased something and you were expecting it because you had use of it, like you needed to use it, like you were expecting for this to arrive and you got a promise, like you got a guarantee this will arrive in two to three business days. Guaranteed, guaranteed. You purchased this and you had need, like you needed to use it by a particular date and after 48 to 72 hours, like the 73rd hour, you begin to ask questions. Okay, why is my package not here? Anybody ever happened to you? <laughs> why hasn't it showed up? And so you start to look up all the tracking information and you get this, this very irritating statement, package stuck in transit. That ever happened to somebody? You purchased something that you needed to use and it was supposed to be here by a certain time, but when you look it up, it's stuck in transit. Let me give you a little perspective. You were purchased. I was purchased. We have been blood bought. We have been purchased by the blood of the lamb and there is something that he has and desires use of us for. There's a work, there's a mission, there's a mandate that he wants to use us to do in the earth for his glory. It's not about you. The reason so many of us are so disappointed is because we really have forgotten life is not about you. You will be a nicer person if you really recognize it's not about you. Just think about how better of a spouse would you be if you really view life as everything I do is for God's glory. This job is for his glory. My money, my wealth is for his glory. This opportunity is for his glory. This platform is for his glory, not my ego. Not followers, not views, not likes. Everything I have is truly for his glory. You've been purchased. And there's a blessing that God wants to extend to us that we keep stuck in transit. Due to our disobedience, due to our laziness, coming for your neck, due to our unbelief, and watch this, Due to our negative thinking, we are keeping certain opportunities and blessings stuck in transit. Negative thinking, like negative thinking is the role we play in our own suffering. Did y'all hear what I just said? Negative thinking is the role we play. It's the role we play in our own suffering. I want to pray. I want to pray because I know I'm not the only one who has been plagued by thinking the worst case scenario. This is going to happen if I, they won't hire me because this won't work out because my idea won't go because I want to pray specifically for everybody watching this who has, who has delayed obedience a slothful trait, unbelief, a negative thinking that has become a psychological terrorist. I want to pray for everybody who battles with that so that we could experience true and authentic, organic kingdom joy versus fake happiness. So Father, right now, we come before you really repenting saying, Father, forgive us for trying to find fulfillment, trying to find joy in our own efforts. And many times dreams are snapshots of our harvest that is going to come if we don't faint. But due to us having so many 
worst case scenarios in our minds. We don't even have dreams, we only have nightmares. Would you forgive us for trying to control the outcome? Would you forgive us for not having faith in you, your timing, your method, and your pace? Forgive us for trying to be God because you truly are a better God than we are. And would you help us to remember that everything we do, rather we eat, drink, sleep, is all done for your glory and not our own. Deliver us from being plagued by negative thinking. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room, amen. All caps, amen, amen, amen. It is, it is confession time, you know how I do. Now, I don't even have to explain it. This confession, I want us to speak over ourselves. So you don't have the right to remain silent. Could you join me with this confession? I want you to say it verbally and type it. Put it in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, help me to stop thinking the worst for you have a good plan for me. This is for somebody. Father, gosh, y'all, I, I wish I had this. Like three years ago, I wish I had this session. I needed therapy. Father, help me to stop thinking the worst for you have a good plan for me. You have a good plan for me. What would you do? What would you do? And what gift, what idea would you give birth to if there was no such thing as a worst case scenario? And how many more times are we going to allow a mental conjuring up of the worst case scenario cause our blessing to be stuck and transit. Because ne negative thinking is the role we're playing in our own suffering. Culture caused this pessimism. <laughs> so it's like the, the pessimist complains about the rain and fears it's gonna flood. The, the optimist knows that every storm cloud eventually runs out of rain. The realist has an evacuation plan, but the kingdom thinker knows that all things work together. <laughs> That's so good, y'all. Did y'all hear me? The pessimist complains about the storm and fears it's gonna flood. The optimist says, you know, every storm cloud runs out of rain. The realist has an evacuation plan, but the kingdom thinker knows that all things work together. If the sun, shine is, if the sun is shining, all things are gonna work together. If it's raining, all things are gonna work together. If it's a storm, all things are gonna work together. If it floods, all things are gonna work together. If they hire me, all things are gonna work together. If they let me go, all things are going to work together. In a recession, all things are going to work together. In a pandemic, all things are going to work together. On the mountaintop, all things are going to work together. On the valley, all things are going to work together. In my singleness, all things are going to work together. In my marriage, all things are going to work together. The kingdom thinker remembers our God is sovereign and outcome belongs to him. I want to help somebody on tonight. I want to help somebody on tonight so that we can become a people who see the good in every problem. Go a little deeper. I, I want to train us by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I want to help train us to be able to see things through the eyes of our heart. Hear me. Not just the eyes in your head. Like that part though. I want to train us and help us to be able to see situations through the eyes of our heart. Not just the eyes in your head. Like the eyes in your head give you sight. But the eyes of your heart give you insight. Look at this y'all. Ephesians chapter 1. I don't preach opinion. I want to preach doctrine. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says, listen, I pray that the eyes of your head. It's not what it says. I pray that the eyes of your perspective. 
It's not what the text says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Listen, eyes of your heart gives you enlightenment. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. When we think the worst case scenario is to think without hope or it's a perversion of hope. It is to think without faith or it's a perversion of faith. I have faith that the worst outcome is gonna happen. I have faith that it's not going to work in my favor for God's glory. I have faith that this is going to fail. Perversion of faith, faith in reverse. Paul is saying, listen, I, I want you to have the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. Why? In order that you may have a hope. When you only see with the eyes in your head, it robs you of hope. But when you're able to see, gosh, this is so good. When you're able to see with the eyes of your heart, you can see beyond what you see. See, sight is to gaze. Sight is to gaze at the exterior, okay? Insight is to glance at the exterior, but gaze at the interior. Torrance, did you hear what I just said? Sight, it is to gaze. What is a gaze? It is a fixed stare. This is sight, a fixed stare. I'm staring, I'm staring at the economy. I'm staring at the pandemic. I'm staring at the gas prices. I'm staring at my shortcomings. It's to, it's to, it's to stare, okay? Sight is to gaze, is a fixed stare at the exterior, but insight <laughs> is to glance. Just a brief look, that's all, a brief look. It's a brief look at the exterior, but to gaze at the interior. Or if we were to go a little deeper, sight is something that is seen. Insight is revelation and understanding of what is not seen. One more time, sight is something that is seen, but, but insight is the knowledge, understanding, and revelation of the unseen. So the reason we keep on having a worst case scenario many times is because we see it being catastrophic. It's because we see ourselves failing. Bible all day, as a man thinketh, so is he. Seeing bleeds over into thinking, okay? What I see is affecting what I am thinking. We walk by faith, not by, y'all put it in the room, sight, sight. I want to just be a catalyst and a vessel, an instrument that the Holy Spirit could use on tonight to help us and to train us to be able to see with the eyes of our heart. Because when we could see with the eyes of our heart, it will cause us to remember the hope to which he has called you. Now, this is a word that you probably haven't heard of before. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a therapy word, psychological word, that really kind of classifies people who have a pattern of engaging in worst case scenario and it's called catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. It is, it involves believing that you are in a worse situation than you really are or a worst case scenario is imminent. Catastrophizing, research it. It's literally people who think only of the most catastrophic thing happening and prepare for, pre prepare for it, plan for it, think about it, 
dwell on it, catastrophizing. Now, as I'm, as I'm looking at this particular word and remembering what Paul said, that, okay, I, I want the eyes of their heart to be enlightened in order that they may know the hope which he has called you. Many people who engage in, catast in catastrophizing are exhausted. <laughs> They're exhausted, and watch this, the exhaustion spawns addiction. So these are the type of people, I gotta have my coffee. As soon as you wake up, I gotta have my coffee. I can't, I can't work without my coffee. I can't, I can't do this without my pills. I can't, I can't do this without my, it is a cover up that you are exhausted. And so I, I slept, but I really didn't get rest. I laid in my bed, but I really didn't get rest because catastrophizing leads to addiction. I have to find something that could treat my exhaustion. And why, are, why am I so exhausted? It's because negative thinking is the treadmill that exhausts you by keeping you in the same place. <laughs> negative thinking, it is the treadmill that exhausts you by keeping you in the same place. Y'all ever ran on, a, ran on a treadmill? You not going anywhere, but you sweating, you breathing hard, you working, your heart rate is up, but you're at the same place. That is what catastrophizing does. That is what negative thinking does. It causes for you to live a treadmill life, exhausted, but in the same place. Same attitude from 2017 to 2022, same place, catastrophizing. Treadmill, same perspective, same issue, same pain, same outcome, same place. And I'm exhausted, breathing hard, tired, laying down, not resting. This is why I gotta have coffee. I gotta have my pills. Gotta have my medication. I'm not talking about stuff that is, that is literally needed from a health physician. I'm talking about an escape from trying to figure out why I'm so tired. And without this dopamine hit, without this drink, without this orgasm, without this relationship, it'll expose how exhausted and how short of breath I am in the spirit because I'm constantly trying to figure out what could help me to stop being so exhausted. It's a cover-up. I'm tired because of how I'm thinking. I'm gassed because I'm using all of my gas on things that don't matter for my destiny. Catastrophizing, catastrophizing. As a man thinketh, so is he. Watch this, y'all. Your perspective, this is helping somebody. Your perspective is shaped by the algorithm of your thoughts. So I want you to think of social media, okay? Whatever you search the most will show up in your feed. So if you search basketball a lot, it's gonna show up on your suggested feeds. If, if you search boxing a lot or uh, cooking, whatever it may be, it's going to show up in your feed because the algorithm is cultivated by your search. Make sense? Your mind is the same way. Your perspective is cultivated by the algorithm of your thoughts. So whatever I keep on thinking on the most is going to shape my perspective. This is why the word of God says, meditate on the book of the law, meditate on his word, meditate on his decrees day and night. Why? Because your perspective is going to be shaped by the algorithm of your thoughts. You worry so much and your perspective is always something about being worrisome is because your perspective is always shaped about something that causes for you to worry because the algorithm of your perspective is cultivated by your thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. A thought. It's a thought. It's a thought. Thoughts can become projections. So my negative thoughts, this is how negative people project on you. I have a negative thought about me that I'm going to project on you 
for something you're about to do. Because really, I feel if I were to do that, my outcome would be a worst case scenario. So I'm going to share with you my advice, which is really my own negative thoughts in projection form. Sometimes all advice is, is somebody else's projected thought. <laughs> I wouldn't do that because the reason you wouldn't do it is because you only operate in catastrophizing. So you think worst case scenario and you project that per, you project that perception on other people. Parents do this. Pastors do this. Uh, professors do this. Sometimes therapists do this. Coworkers do this. They're telling you an outcome that they fear happening for themselves. And they try to tell you, I'm just trying to give you some advice. But what is really happening is I'm projecting my negative thoughts. That's their thought, not mine. Remember, your perspective is shaped by the algorithm of your thoughts. So how? How does a person engage and develop a pattern of participating in catastrophizing? I, mean, I, I think there are layers to this, but I want to highlight a few. The first cause of a person to constantly think the worst case scenario is when, number one, pain has been extended from a loved one. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's the paranoia of repeated pain. It, the, the paranoia of repeated pain. It's when I told somebody all of the hurtful stuff that I've gone through, all of the hurtful things that happened in my life, only for them to do it to me. That, that's a different level of pain. When I told you everything hurtful that has happened to me, for you to only put me through that same process again, oh, that can cause for somebody to always think the worst case scenario. Why? Because I experienced it. I experienced it. And so like, I don't have an optimistic perspective. I'm not thinking like roses are red and violets are, are blue. No, I'm more like roses are dead. <laughs> roses are dead. I'll go silent on you. I fear that pain again, so I'm not fooling with you. Like that's just, the, that's just what happens to people who constantly experience pain, especially from somebody that they have loved. Negative thinking many times, please hear me, negative thinking many times is punishment we give ourselves because somebody else didn't keep their word. Mm. So, so what you're gonna do is, you're not going to open up and, and talk to this person who God could have sent in your life to help you heal because just like the enemy sends people, so does God. Just like the enemy could use a Delilah, God could use a Paul. Just like the enemy could use a Pharaoh, God could use, God could use a Naomi. Like God uses people too to get us to places where we need to be. So what you're going to do is you're not going to even open up your heart to love again because of somebody who didn't love you. You see, this is why healing is so important. Because it causes for me, negative thinking causes for me to punish myself based on somebody else not keeping their word. And catastrophizing causes for us to hide the real you. Why? It's because I'm hiding the parts of me that I feel are unlovable. I'm hiding the parts of me that mom didn't know how to parent. I'm hiding the parts of me that daddy didn't know how to father. I'm hiding the parts of me that that pastor didn't know how to shepherd. Like, so I'm hiding those parts because of pain I've experienced from a loved one. I think that's the first reason why many people think the worst case scenario, it's because I've experienced it. I told somebody what hurt me and they put me through it again. The second reason I believe a lot of people think worst case scenario is because of looped disappointments. That didn't work. That didn't work either. This didn't work. That didn't. And so due to all of those disappointments, I'm preparing myself to be disappointed again.
And this is why I tried to get us to understand, y'all. Therapy is so good. Like, Therapy Thursdays are so good. I tried to get us to understand if you could view disappointment right, if you could view disappointment as direction versus devastation, it would help you heal faster. The reason we constantly engage in worst case scenario is because our disappointments have been on looped in our life and we don't know how to view that disappointment as direction, not devastation. Like my wife shared so many times before she met me, there was a relationship she was in. And the guy cheated on her, it was a church musician, it was all, you know, the whole church knew about it, just messy. Like church breakups are just messy. They be petty, somebody else petty, and sometimes pastor may say something petty from the pool. It's just, ugh, it, they can be messy. <laughs> they can be really, really messy. And so that, that pain that she experienced, yes, it was disappointing. But a year later, I came to the church, you see? It was God showing her, that's not your husband. Man, I'm trying to help somebody. That's not your opportunity. That's not the person I assigned favor for you. I, I didn't assign for you to have favor with them. Why are you devastated? Disappointment is to direct you, not to devastate you. That's not where your favor is. That's not the house I want you to get. Or it's not the time, go work on your credit. <laughs> That's a whole nother therapy Thursday, like accountability that God helps us with. Anyway, why are you crying over the very thing that I don't have for your life? Why are you frustrated with me? Because I won't bless what's not my will. Why are you so downcast in your soul? Because you wanted something that was going to sabotage our relationship. It's not for devastation, it's for direction. And when we have that perspective, when we have that perspective, everything that happens in our life that doesn't go the way that we want it to go, I'll be able to think, God must have better. Must not be God's timing. My favor must be elsewhere because God has a plan for me, a good plan for me. Remember, we said that in the confession, God has a plan for me and it's for his glory. Maybe your plan was for your glory. That was for you. That wouldn't have made me look good. That wouldn't have showed off my grace. That wouldn't have showed off my mercy. That would have just helped you flex in an area. That would have just increased your following, but that was not for my glory. It wasn't for my namesake. And so many times we think the worst case scenario because we're constantly experiencing disappointment after disappointment. The cure from that is to recognize disappointment is always for direction. I wanna show you this, look, John chapter 14, verse one. It says, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> I love when God's word compliments. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would have I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you myself, that where I am, there you may also be. So powerful. Jesus is reminding us, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm preparing a place for you. I have something prepared for you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be devastated on that disappointment. I got something I'm preparing for you. If I, if I wasn't preparing it for you, I wouldn't tell you I am. But I'm working on that. I'm going to make sure that you're there with me. This is not my glory. Why are you continuing to cry over something that you wanted to be my will that never was? So now I'm plagued by worst case scenario or I'm engaged in catastrophizing because of looped disappointment. Number three, the third reason, like I said, there are layers to why people do this, but the third reason is it's a perversion of defense. So I wanna explain this. Expecting the worst many times is a defense mechanism against disappointment. So 
if I think the worst is gonna happen, it could help me not to be disappointed. So it's a perversion of defense. I wanna defend myself from being disappointed. I wanna defend my heart from getting hurt. So I'm gonna think this is not going to work as a means of not getting disappointment, disappointed. So I'm gonna play it safe. I'm gonna play it safe because I can't feel pain of a fall if I don't climb. You see, it's a perversion of defense. I can't feel the pain of being rejected if I don't post it. I can't feel the pain of being broken up with if I don't voice my standards. So I rather prepare for disappointment so that I won't experience the disappointment so I just traffic in negative thoughts. <laughs> this is so good. Expose it, Lord. I, I have a perversion of defense. So that if it didn't work, I wasn't looking forward to it anyway. And so we constantly engage in catastrophizing. Now, I, I want to show you this passage of scripture over this dude. He goes down in the hall of faith. One of my favorite biblical icons, one of my favorite biblical characters, we're gonna look at a brief snapshot of Moses, okay? God has a work for Moses. Remember I asked you, I said, have you ever had need of something and you needed that package by a particular time for a purpose, but it got stuck in transit? God has need of Moses. Moses, I need you to be my package for my glory. There's something I need you to do. There's a people who are praying to me and I need to answer their prayer through you. I need them to know my goodness through you. For my glory, I'm doing this through you. Not for you, but I'm doing this through you for my namesake. And I want you to see how when God is having this conversation with Moses, he keeps thinking about the worst case scenario. Exodus chapter four, verse one, um, after God tells him like, listen, all these things that I plan on doing, I want you to look at this. Moses answers and says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Notice this y'all, catastrophizing. God said, go tell them, let my people go. Say, man, what, what, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord didn't send, didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. That's a whole word. What are you running from that God wants you to seize? Like, I'm like, Moses, if God made it a snake, he's not gonna cause a snake to bite you so that you could die. <laughs> what God idea has he given you that you're running from? Whole nother message. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous and it became as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. Look at this, y'all. Moses said to the Lord, uh, my bad. Jehovah, uh, pardon your servant, Lord. I haven't been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. Like, look. I don't really have good speech. I didn't have good speech before you called me and I don't have my doctorate now that you're telling me to do this. So I'm not, I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? 
Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives the sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Look at this, y'all. But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Uh, uh, please send someone else. <laughs> Why? Why is Moses having this back and forth conversation with God. It is because he is thinking the worst case scenario and he's thinking about himself. I'm not eloquent of speech, choose somebody else. What if they don't believe me? Choose, verse four, like verse four right there. What if they do not believe or listen to me? What is he doing? He is thinking of the worst case scenario. He is overthinking, he is engaged in catastrophizing, and he's telling himself, this is not gonna work. What will they think? The native language of fear is what if. But the greater thing that I see right here is I wonder who on this Therapy Thursday is watching this message that hasn't recognized that catastrophizing is getting in the way of a people that you have been summoned to help. Who watching this? I feel this, y'all. Who watching this is engaged in worst case scenario thinking that is not loving their children the way that their children need to be loved because of it? What book does somebody need to add to the devotional that will help them break an addiction or will help them break a chain that you're not writing because what if they say the Lord didn't call me to be an author? What, 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 what if they'll say the Lord, the Lord didn't show up to you? What music, what, what worshiper right now is watching this? that the song that God has put in your bosom is going to be somebody's devotion time melody. But what if the people say, the Lord didn't show up to me? Look at this, y'all. I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. I shared this before, but I want us to see this again for a different point. Exodus chapter two, verse 23, it says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help and the cry for help because of the slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Now Exodus chapter three, verse nine, it says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. Are you seeing this? There are people in bondage and God is talking to the answer. But the answer is thinking worst case scenario. While you're doubting your gift, somebody's in bondage. While we're not being obedient, somebody's in bondage. While we're terrified of what could happen, somebody's in bondage. Somebody right now is praying to God and you are an answer. God is gonna use you to be an answer to that prayer, but we won't deliver it if we constantly keep letting worst case scenarios talk us out of what God is talking us into. You would not be watching this Therapy Thursday session if I didn't get the faith in my God to veto all of my negative thoughts. All of the, who's gonna watch this? And what if it exhausts me? What if it makes me tired? And somebody else should be doing, all of the thoughts that were plaguing me. You wouldn't be watching this if I listened to him. So flip that on you. Who is not gleaning from something that God needs you to give birth to because of a worst case scenario that you're haunted by? Hmm. John chapter 10, verse 27. The reason I want, the reason I want to show us this, this scripture is because negative thinking is not just a mental rehearsal of what ifs. Negative thinking is static of the mind that interferes with our ability to hear our shepherd. 
Did you hear me? Negative thinking is not just a rehearsal of what ifs. What if I fail? What if what? It's not just that. Negative thinking is also static of the mind that interferes with our ability to hear the shepherd. Look, John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, I want you to notice right now, even as I'm talking, it's starting to get difficult to hear me. Why? Because there's static that's starting to interfere with the quality of my sound. It's the quality of my voice. And so now you have to really, really focus and you really are really trying to engage because there's something that is louder than me. There is something that is overpowering my voice. But if we can stop the static by stopping the worst case scenario rehearsal, I can hear my shepherd clearly. There are things that God has been speaking to you. There are things that God has been putting in your heart to do that is difficult to hear him due to the static of your thoughts. Your thoughts. And I just showed you one snapshot, just one. One snapshot in scripture where you could see that somebody's worst case scenario thinking could have possibly got in the way. Guys, somebody's worst case scenario thinking was causing for them to go back and forth with being an answer to somebody's prayer. Your deliverance from worst case scenario thinking is for somebody else's freedom where the glory of the Lord can be displayed, not for you, but for them. So how do we get over this? Three points and we're done. Number one, rest in the promises, not the paranoia. Rest in the promises, not the paranoia. If you could rest and the promises of God. If you could rest in the fact that God is not gonna let me drown. If you could rest in the fact that heaven doesn't have a shortage. If you could rest in the fact that all things work together. If you could rest in the fact that in due season, a harvest will come if you faint not. If you could rest in the fact that God is preparing a place for me. If you could rest in the fact that God is behind the scenes, on the scenes, before the scenes, before you even were thought of having a scene, he's working it out. If we could rest in that and not the paranoia. See, when did God provide Adam with Eve? He did the surgery once Adam was asleep. God could do surgery on us better when we're resting. Resting in the promise. Resting in his word. What if, I'm not resting in what if. Mm -mm. Even if, for me. I'm not resting in worst case scenario. I'm resting in the promises of God. And literally for some of us, you might need to like write down seven or 10 promises that could be ammunition for all of the paranoia that comes your way. Whenever you feel the thoughts that are coming against you and plaguing you, I gotta have something to combat that. I could shoot that down with the word of God, a promise that I'm resting in. Number two, I'm gonna say it all throughout this session on the night. Remember, it's not about you. Someone needs your yes. So this is a very sensitive point for me. When I first heard of Uvalde, you know, I'm here in Texas. When I first heard of the, the shooting, I felt pain in my heart because I could only imagine what it was like to be a parent. I have two beautiful children. I couldn't imagine kissing my babies good morning, sending them off to school for them to never come back. The world, we probably moved on past it, but as a parent, seeing that bed not made or the clothes, the little shoes or the socks or the shirt, whatever it may be, be extremely painful. And as I began to follow along with the story of the Uvalde, I felt anger. 
not just because of the evil. The evil, of course, causes for me to be angry. But I was angry because of the timeline of the shooter in the classroom and the police not going in the room, calling 911, and law enforcement not stopping. Like, that caused me to be angry. Just take all spiritual stuff out as a dad, as a, as a father, thinking about my children are in there and you are not, that made me mad, being transparent. And so as, as I was formulating this particular content for this session, I remembered that particular scenario and I thought like, them responding to the call could have saved lives. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. There's a call on your life. If you didn't have one, you'd be dead. The reason you have oxygen and warm blood flowing through your veins is because there's a call on your life and your yes is gonna help somebody else. And as painful as that situation is, for me it's a riveting, sobering reminder. Jerry, you obeying me, you seeking my face. You giving me your yes is tied to somebody else's deliverance. Not for you, it's not about you, it's my glory through you, not for you. And the anger that you felt because of the timeline, I want you to put that in this session. The time we're wasting because of the worst case scenario causing for us to have delayed obedience, somebody else is calling for help. And you're the answer for that. So I know that might not be the friendliest picture, but it drives home the point. I have to render my yes because it's not about me. Last point, render the pen. Worst case scenario is you writing the outcome. You're not the author. You're not the author, God is. Give the pen up. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Stop finishing the outcome with your perspective. That's God's job, not yours. Render the pen, I trust you, so that we won't be like Moses in this one particular scenario, going back and forth with God because we're telling him our limitations when this whole situation is about his glory and their deliverance. So God, would you help us? Help us to be able to recognize you control outcomes. Help us to render the pen so that we can stop creating and authoring and writing horrific outcomes when you are the author and finisher of our faith. What you're looking for is our surrender. Help us to surrender our minds so that we can start thinking what you promised us. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in us so that, so that like Colossians informs us, we will think on things above and not on things beneath. Enough with the horror stories in our imagination. Cause that's all negative thinking is, it's misuse of the imagination. But God, we ask that you help us to think for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.